This podcast is a presentation of Nags Head Church, reaching people to discover life in Christ. Stay tuned and visit us on the internet at nagsheadchurch.org. We're starting today our third week, third Sunday in a six-week study on love. If you're a guest today, we're in 40 days of love and looking at what God's Word says in 1 Corinthians 13 and some other places in the Scripture daily as we're reading devotions together in the life and the words of Jesus about what it means to love God with all our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength, and love our neighbor as ourself. Now, how many of you would say, because most of you are here, uh, are participating in, uh, we, have, we have like 180 folks who are in, in connection groups right now, and that's, that's incredible, and we're thankful for that. Um, uh, you're in a connection group, and you're reading daily uh, the devotional, uh, through the devotional book every day, and you're hearing the messages, and you're memorizing the scripture. How many of you have noticed who are doing those things? You know, as I go through the week, these things that we're talking about, about love, uh, um, are, are popping up in my mind. God's bringing them to my mind, and I'm seeing things in my life and experiences and opportunities to pass on his love to other people and to learn how to love better. And there is a greater heightened awareness in my life about this need for love to come out of me, God's love to be active in my life. How many of you are starting to notice that? Would you say, I'm, I'm seeing it through the week in my life? And that's an amazing thing, and, and we're excited about that. Um, uh, the Bible says this in James chapter 3, verse 2. And we're going to be talking about some things that James said. But James said this, all of us often make mistakes. All right? How many of you are in that group right now with me? All of us often make mistakes. But if a person never makes a mistake in what he says, he's perfect. Now, let me begin this morning with a confession. More often than I care to admit, throughout my life, and this is my whole life, I, I, I know that this has been the case in me. I can't speak for you, but I'm not confessing your sin. I'm confessing mine. All right? More often than I care to admit in my whole life, because I am a very verbal person, my words have not always been used to be expressions of the love of God into the lives of other people. Haven't always said loving, kind things like I should. James was writing this verse, I think, to me and about my imperfections. Now, there's some of you who'd say, and I'm right there with you, Rick. You know, I've got problems as well. I've noticed that's an issue in my life too. It is the easiest thing in the world, I would guess, to say the wrong thing. I think that's easier than doing the wrong thing because there's such a close connection between what we think and where it comes out than what we think and how we may do something. I mean, it, it's just kind of wham, it happens, and we say the wrong thing, and, and, and you've experienced times when the words have come out, and if you could, you would grab them and stuff them back in because you know, oh, no, what did I say, and why did I say it that way? You ever experienced that? Me too. It's the easiest thing, and we, and we feel like, will I ever, am I ever in my life, God, here I am, I'm 55 years old, I've been a Christian for 40 years, and, and you know, you would think that by this time, I, I would have, you know, I would be perfect, but I'm not, 
And far from it. And this is one of the areas in my words. Today we're going to talk about loving with our words. James says our words are of great importance. And he gives some pictures in his little letter of the book of James in the Bible in chapter 3. He gives a couple very vivid pictures about how important our words are to us and, and how our words can be used for good and how our words can be used in a destructive way. The first thing, for example, James tells us about our words is this. My mouth directs where I go. My mouth directs where I go in life. And he says it's like a ship. Have, have you seen, have you, you know, nowadays they're coming out, you see it on the news every so often, that one of the cruise lines has come out with the largest cruise ship in the world. And you, have you seen some of the, I mean, I've been on a couple cruises on a couple big boats, but they've got some that are cities. You know, I mean, they'll haul around 10,000 people, I think. They're just humongous things in the ocean. And what's amazing about those great big ships, or if you go up to Norfolk and you see an, an, an aircraft, have you ever seen an aircraft carrier, how monstrous those things are? No, they are cities. 5,000, you know, sailors and airmen and whoever may be on that thing, that's a city. And those great big huge ships are directed, the captain sits up in his place, and I, and I found, I remembered in the last gathering, so what, I don't know much about boats, I don't have a boat and don't want a boat, but I do know, I remember, they, they, they have this place on the boat called the helm, and that's where the captain sits, and the captain has the, 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 the wheel, like a steering wheel, and he turns that great big ship, and the thing that turns that, that great big ship is, comparatively speaking, a very small part of the ship called the rudder. It's not big, it's small compared to the rest of the ship, but that little part of that, of that, uh, of that ship, that rudder, turns the whole boat. It determines the direction, and James says, and James 3 says, your tongue, your words are like your rudder. They determine your direction. Your tongues are like, they determine where you go. The power of words is that they also not only determine where I go, but they can destroy what I have. And the picture James gives us there is not only that they tell, they determine where I go, but they can be very destructive. And he uses the image of a forest fire. And he says, just a little flame can set a huge forest on fire and destroy it all. So we all know how easy a fire can get out of control. And probably most of us in this room have seen how, how our words can burn. How our words can burn up a job, can burn through a relationship. That's the power of words and why you need, why I need to be very careful about the words we speak. Loving with our words. Our words not only determine our direction, where we go, but our words also display who we are, James says. And Jesus also gets into this conversation about words. And, and, and another picture that James gives is this in chapter 3. He said, our words, our words tell where we go and they tell who we are. He, says, he said, our words are kind of like, he says, like our our, our brain and, and, our, and our tongue that are connected together and, the, and the, the mouth speaks what the brain says. He says it's like a, like a spring where you get water. He said, and, and it's as though, how in the world can it be that out of the same spring you can get good, fresh, clean water and you can get poisonous water at the same time? He said, how can that be? He said, that should not be. That's not the way it's supposed to be. The words ought to be good words. They shouldn't be poisonous words. So James uses these pictures of, of, um, of a ship and of a fire and of a spring to describe the words that we say. Now, Jesus also said some things about our words, helps us understand where do our words come from. 
They're not, by the way, your words are not created in your mouth, okay? Mouth just spits out what the brain tells it to, if you will. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, for whatever is in your heart determines what you say. I always laugh when the politicians, you know, they get caught saying something they shouldn't have said. And, I, and the, in the last 10 years or so, the, 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 uh, the spin, the excuse has been, I misspoke. I misspoke. What, what do you mean you misspoke? You said what was in your heart. When you and I speak, it's what is in here comes out in our words. And we say, I didn't mean to say that. Yeah, you did. You know, it came out of your heart. Jesus said that. Uh, whatever's in my heart is going to spill out in my words. It's inevitable. You, you can try to keep it bottled up, but eventually what's inside is going to come outside. But that's not all. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, the food that you put in your mouth doesn't make you unclean and unfit to worship God. Now, he's speaking there to, to Jewish people, to Pharisees especially, who said, you know what? If you're going to eat a pickle, it better be kosher, because if it's not kosher, you can't worship God. You know, all the food's got to be kosher. It's got to be the right food. If you put the wrong food, you eat something that's unclean, in your, you, then you're not fit to worship God. And Jesus said, hey, wait, think about that for a moment. It's not what you put in your mouth that makes you unfit to worship God, that makes you unclean. What did he say? The bad words that come out of your mouth are what make you unclean. It's not what you put in, it's what comes out that affects your relationship with God and with others. So not only does my heart spill out in my words, but my words spill back into my heart and back into my soul. And a lot of times we we can get this reciprocal thing going on where you feel anger in your heart. And so because you feel anger in your heart, you speak in angry words. And then you find out once you do that, man, this didn't make me feel any better. In fact, it probably makes you feel a little more anger in your heart. What we need when that happens, especially if it happens often, is this. You don't need to pray, Lord, clean up my mouth. Lord, I got potty mouth. Would you clean it up today? You don't need to, 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 to pray, Lord, change my vocabulary. And some of us need our vocabulary changed. You don't need to pray, Lord, Um, uh, just kind of keep my words clean today at work and around my kids and all that. That's not what you need. What I need to pray is, Lord, you have the authority to change my heart. That's where the change needs to take place because it's from my heart. My heart is where, where my words originate. So, Lord, you have authority. I give you that in my life to change my heart, to change, and that will change my words. You have a problem with your words, you need to have the Lord work on your heart first. Well, how do I do that? How do my words show love? What are, let me give you three ways that your words can uh, show love. First of all, we need to love people with honest words. Honest words. And this example comes from Jesus, God in human flesh, who walked on this earth. And, and you read the Gospels and you realize Jesus had recorded for us dozens of conversations And in those conversations, you can see how he talked to people honestly. But let's be honest about speaking to people honestly. It can be tricky, can it? Yeah, being honest about some things. Here's one of my favorite commercials on television. This is somebody that was known for his honesty. 
perhaps a bit. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Okay. It, it can be tricky being honest, can it? You guys know, you, you, you've been in Abe's spot, haven't you? All the men, this is our favorite commercial because we all know, what do you think of my new hairstyle, honey? Or my new hair color, you know? And we have to be, how do I, my, and we're, we know we're dead. Um, kids are, are honest people for the most part, and, and they can be brutally honest. But here's the deal with little children. They can be really honest, but they're honest without considering love into the factor. When Sarah, who is our, our middle daughter, when she was little, about three years old, she and Gail uh, were standing at the checkout line in a store, and Sarah, who is, who is very honest in what she says, and sometimes it gets her in trouble, um, she, she decided this is time to be really honest and standing in the checkout line. And so in her honesty as a three-year-old, uh, just to say what she knew was right and what was in her heart, and there was no love in this, but she said, talking about the cashier, Mama, that lady's fat. You know, honesty is a good thing. But when it comes to Jesus Christ and how he communicated, it's amazing. It was the... He had the kind of honesty that changed everybody. One time, for example, Jesus said to a group of people he was talking to that were struggling with who he was and who God was, and he, he, they felt like he's coming to, to really mess some things up. He, he just looked at them and said, you know what you are? You're a bunch of hypocrites. Now, is that honest? Yeah, it is really honest. He told them what he thought. But here, here's the deal with Jesus. He was... God's perfect son of God. He only thought perfect thoughts. And the perfect thought was, you're hypocrites. Another time was with, when his, with his very close friend, his friend Peter, one of the disciples who was struggling. And Peter suggested Jesus go this direction. When Jesus knew God's will was for him to go to Jerusalem where he would die. And Peter said, no, you don't need to go there. You need to stop thinking that way. We're not going to let you die. And, 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 and he was struggling with God's will in Jesus' life. And Jesus turned and looked at him and very simply said, Satan, get behind me. Because Peter was thinking so wrongly. Now, if you've never said something like that to someone, you've probably wanted to. That's very honest, very tough talk. Jesus wouldn't have said it if it hadn't been true. Or there's another time when he said to his disciples, you know what you guys are? You are stubborn, faithless people. How long am I going to have to put up with you? Have you parents ever thought that about your kids? You know, How long do I have to put up with this? So what's the difference between Jesus and us? And the difference is that Jesus in saying these things, was responding out of honesty, not out of irritation. He was responding not out of anger, but out of love. You see, Jesus came to die for the world. He came to die for those Pharisees. He came to die for Peter. He came to die for those disciples. And he loved them so much that he had to tell them what the truth was. So the motivation behind his words in choosing those honest words was what was really, really important. That was that he loved them. But, you know, the truth of the matter is we like to choose the easy route rather than the correct route. And it's much easier to be nice than it is to be honest. 
Much easier to be nice than it is to be honest. But the problem is nice doesn't move the relationship with he- ahead. Nice doesn't change my heart or anybody else's heart. You didn't learn anything through simply being nice. The challenge in what Jesus said, if I want to impact lives, is this. I've got to be lovingly honest. Even sometimes as parents, we want to be nice to our kids. So we're not honest with our kids. Because they, we want them to think good of us. But if I'm just nice, and if I'm not honest, it's not going to change my heart It's not going to change anybody else's hearts. So how do you do it? How does this honesty thing work in our our lives? How do we speak honestly to people? And there's a verse in Ephesians that tells us how that works. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. Read that verse with me, will you? Let's say it together. Speaking the truth in love. Speaking the truth in love. It takes truth and it takes love. It can't be one without the other. It's got to be both meshed together. Some people like my three-year-old daughter, all they speak is truth, but there's no love behind it. She had no concept that she was supposed to love that full-figured cashier. That's nice, by the way. She had no idea she's supposed to love that lady. If she had, she wouldn't have said what she said. But there are adult people that you know, there are teenagers that you know, they don't tell the truth, they aim the truth. Shoot it like a gun. And that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about truth, but you also need love with it. People need to see that you're not just telling them what you're telling them so they can hear the truth. You're, you're telling them because you care about them. You're telling, you're telling them that because you love them. It's not that I want to hurt you, but you need to hear this. It takes truth and love. And the reverse could be true. There are some people, and all they are is love, but there's no truth. Maybe there's a kernel of truth at the middle of, of what they have to say, but they wrap it up like this, with this. It's buried in that pile of candy, and it's so sticky you can't find the truth. They never get to it. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 5 says, An open rebuke, telling somebody the truth. An open rebuke, it says, is better than hidden love. We all love to have people around us who will tell us good things about us. We all love to have people tell us things that make us feel good. But when push comes to shove, I want to know, and you do too, I want to know that my closest friends, I want to know that my spouse, my family, the people that love me are going to be honest with me about things in my life that I need to hear. I want to know that somebody's going to be honest with me and say, hey, man, you shouldn't have gone that way. You shouldn't have said those things. You shouldn't have acted that way. You want somebody who's going to tell you the truth. And when you have the wrong perspective and you're just not seeing things clearly, you want somebody to tell you the truth. And we all need those people in our lives who will share with us honest words. They're important and they're loving. This next verse talks about where all this comes from. And by the way, this is our memory verse for this week. Our memory verse for this week. Now we're going to say, if I don't forget, don't let me forget. All right? Um, um, uh, Kit, don't let me forget. We need to say our memory verse at the end today, okay? All right. I'm I'm counting on you. All right. I love you. All right. Don't let me get, have to to rebuke you openly if you forget. All right. Uh, Kit's going to remind me. Everybody hold Kit accountable to remind me for our, 
okay? But this is our verse for this coming week. Starting today, you need to memorize this verse. Now, and, and let me just tell you, we've had some, you know, the verses we've had have been pretty simple, haven't they? Let's, let's just tell the truth. Let's be honest about that. It's been pretty easy. This one, this verse has more than six words to it. Okay, I don't want that to scare you. But look at this next verse. In fact, let's, let's read it together. 1 Corinthians 13, 6. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Doesn't delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It comes from this joy about the truth and what it does in my life and what it can do in other people's lives. And the excitement about what the truth can do and what the difference it could make is his love does that. It gets excited about those kind of things. Honest words have to start with honesty, by the way, in my own heart. (coughs) If I'm trying to be honest with other people, I first got to be honest with myself. If not, they're going to pick up on it, man, in, in just a second. It won't take long. So first I have to ask myself before I point out, you know, in an honest way in somebody's life something that maybe, hey, you know what, I love you. and, I'm, and we, I have to first examine myself and say, hey, what, am I doing the same thing? Am I guilty of the same thing? It's like Jesus talking about, you know, pointing out the, the speck in somebody else's eye when you got a great big old, you know, two by 12 sticking out of your own. Am I guilty of the same thing? I have to be honest with myself about my life. You ask yourself first, and then you can see into your own heart that you're doing this because you care about them and you love them and, and you want to express that to them. You share with them honest words. The second way that you and I love people in our lives is with careful words. Careful words, because words are so powerful. You have to be careful with them. Every one of us knows, in some experience in our lives, the impact of wrong words. And so there are three areas we need to be careful with our words. One is in the area of anger. It's not, an, not a sin to be angry, all right, as we're going to see in this next verse. But it's how that anger is used and how we use our words in that anger. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 and 27 says, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anger in communication can really make its way into our lives and and ruin things. Ruin our relationships. We experience anger in arguments. In close relationships, we, we begin to have arguments, and everybody argues, I'm sure, but because we, of that, we've got to learn how to deal with anger that we have, and this verse talks about it. And have you ever noticed, especially those of you who are married, have you ever noticed in your relationship how, how the biggest arguments, think of, think of the biggest argument that you've had in your Marriage life. Think about that right now. Tanisha's thinking real hard. Leroy, Leroy said, I can't remember any arguments. With, you, know. you think about the biggest arguments that you've had and, and, and how you got in, and, and did it ever hit you somewhere in that argument as it continued to escalate? What, what started this? What? And, and it was something really small, something really insignificant, something kind of stupid that shouldn't have gotten you so angry and so upset in the first place. And that's kind of how anger uh, works in our lives. Communication can be a battlefield. 
And we all in that battlefield, here's, we respond differently. I'm going to give you three different ways people respond. I'm going to ask you to tell me which one you are, okay? We're going to be honest here this morning. But we respond in that battlefield. Some of us want to dig a foxhole. And so what we do is we clam up. And we just wait. And we say, I'll watch and I'll wait for the right time to strike. I'll wait out this battlefield. I'll wait out this conflict. Some of you are clam uppers. You just clam up. Any clam uppers here this morning? Raise your hand. You're a clamor? Okay, good. All right. Not very many of us. Some of us, however, are the second one. We decide, no, no, what I do when I get angry is I store up. I will create a munitions dump so large that the next time, the next opportunity I have, I store up all that stuff that's hurt me and it's bothering me and that kind of thing. Then one day I'm just going to blast them all at once with it. You're the kind of person who stuffs stuff. Any um, store uppers here? Raise your hand. You know, look, this is confession. It's good for the soul. Store uppers. All right. Now, that means about 75% of the people here haven't raised your hand, so you must be this next one. And if you say, well, I'm not that, then you've lied somewhere here. You've not been honest. Some of us blow up. We just bring out the big guns all the time. I don't save anything up. I just use it in every argument. How many of that's that's me? I'm a blow-upper. All right. The rest of you who didn't raise your hand, you're just dishonest. That's what you are. Okay. When we treat communication like a battleground, we think that somebody has to win and somebody has to lose. And the truth of the matter is we both lose. The whole family loses. Our marriage loses. We may lose our job. Whoever's in the conversation, whoever is the, in the argument, all the parties lose. The only person who wins is the devil. That's why Paul said, don't give the devil a foothold in your relationship. So that's why he said, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. That's how you deal with this. You know, oftentimes you go to a wedding and people get up and do they do the toasts at the wedding, you know, and somebody will get up and, and they'll say something like this in the toast. Usually it's somebody older and been married a long time, and they'll say the thing that one of the things that's kept us together these 48 years is we just determined a long time ago we don't go to bed angry. And we think, well, that is really nice advice. <laughs> but it's not nice advice. You know what it is? It's God's command. God said it in his word, don't go to bed angry. Why? Because God loves us and he knows us and he knows how we're wired. And the way you and I are wired is this. If I go to bed angry and I let it go and I keep it till the next day and it goes unresolved, anger starts to turn very, very quickly in my life and your life into bitterness. And then it gets harder and harder to solve. Now, the Bible doesn't say you have to solve it immediately. Sometimes you need to go, I need to go count to 10. Sometimes you need to go drive around the block or go for a walk, but you deal with it before you hit the hay. You deal with it before the next day, because if you don't, God's word says what you are doing is giving Satan a foothold in your relationship, and that's a very dangerous thing to do. So next time you're at a wedding and somebody says, and I, my toast to this young couple is don't ever go to bed angry. You say, amen, God said that. Everybody will look at you like you're strange, you know, but it's God's command. Here's another area we need to be careful, not only in anger, but we need to be careful in our words, and that is in the area of 
gossip. Uh oh. I bet you already know that gossip is a sin. Being angry is not a sin. Being angry and not dealing with it till tomorrow, then it becomes a sin. Being angry is not a sin necessarily, but gossip is always wrong. I bet you know that already. As you read God's Word, you can't help but discover that gossip is right up there in some of the lists in the New Testament. Yeah, Christian, you shouldn't be doing this and this and this and this. You shouldn't be killing people and shouldn't be committing this and then and then and then. Gossip. Whoa. Who put gossip in that list? God. He puts them in the same list. You're reading that list of sin and saying, I don't do that, and I don't do that, and I don't do that. And gossip, whoa, whoa. Proverbs 16.28 says this, a gossip separates close friends. Now, we're Christians. Let, let's, let me, here, let me. Let's just get real here. We're Christians, and we don't gossip, do we? Think about that now. We don't gossip. But we Christianize gossip. What are you talking about? And sometimes this happens like in church prayer meetings or connection groups, small groups, and it comes to time to share prayer requests. I have prayer requests. You know, you all know Bob and Sally, don't you? Yeah. Did you know they're splitting up? We need to pray for them. Now, let me stop and say we should pray for Bob and Sally. But typically, it doesn't stop there. Really, what happened? Uh-oh. Now we're going into the Christianization of gossip. And we start giving details that nobody needs to know. And we, as Christians, we say, that's, well, that's not gossip. We're sharing prayer requests. That's okay, right, God? Maybe you don't want to hear gossip. I don't, I don't want to hear gossip. I'll be honest with you. People know. I don't, in fact, I'm, when, when there's anything going on in Nag said church, it seems like I am always the last person that hears about it. And people come, well, I thought you knew. No, people don't come and tell me gossip. Why? Because they, they know if they try to share gossip with me, I bite their head off. Okay? I don't want to hear it. And maybe you don't want to hear it either. But you still have people who come up to you all the time and they want to share stuff that you don't want to listen to. Now, let me stop and say, if you always have people coming up to you and sharing gossip with you, there is only one reason why they're doing that. You know what that reason is? Because you will listen to it. Hello? You say, well, I don't want to listen to it. If that's not supposed to be in my life, what do I do? Let me give you some, some tips. Ask that person, well, you know, have, have you prayed with Bob and Sally about this situation? Or ask them, have you gone to Bob or Sally and have you talked with them about what's going on? Have you, or have you gone to that person that's offended you? Or, or have you gone to that person who has a need in their life? Or here's maybe the best one. You say, wow, that is an important prayer request. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray for them. And in, fact, in fact, you reach for your cell phone and pull your cell phone. And say, I'm going to call Bob and Sally right now and let them know I'm praying for them. And I'm going to let them know that you shared this with me, Okay. Probably they won't gossip to you anymore if you do that. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's great to share prayer requests, but we got to be really careful, church, that we don't turn it into something else. We can use other ways, by the way, to, to gossip. We can use email to gossip or Facebook to gossip. 
Gossip can be such a problem because by nature, gossip spreads like an epidemic. It can be so much, such a problem that we, it almost seems like I got to go around with my ears covered and my eyes closed. Now, here at Nag said Church, we really, we deal with gossip. Like I said, we, we, we bite their heads off. We take gossips out and shoot them. I tell our Discovery Nag said Church class, that if you gossip here, we just take you outside and shoot you. You know, and then we hang your carcass on a tree out here so everybody can see, and we hang a sign on you that says gossip, and that stops it. Now, we don't really do that, but we just take a very hard line on that kind of thing. And so we tell folks in our, in our, in our Discovering Nag Said Church class, we tell our, our new partners when they come in, they, they actually they, they make a covenant in this church that they say, I will not gossip. Why? Because it's disruptive to relationships. It doesn't show love. But there's a anger, you got anger and you got gossip, and you might say, well, you know what, I don't have much of a problem, and I don't have much of a problem with gossip and with anger. Here's one that maybe gets you, all right? And that is a third area we need to be careful with our words is in saying too much. Uh-oh. Words are so dangerous that saying too much can get you in trouble. Proverbs 21, verse 23 says, watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut, and you will stay out of trouble. That's a good one, parents, to tell your kids. Watch your tongue, keep your mouth shut, and you'll stay out of trouble. Proverbs 17, 28, even a stubborn fool is thought to be wise if he keeps silent. He's considered intelligent if he keeps his lips sealed. In the book of Proverbs, which is a great book to read, it has so much to say about our words, and it talks a lot about the different benefits of just not talking sometimes. Proverbs 10, 19 says, if you don't talk, you, you'll sin less. Proverbs 13, 3 says, if you, if you just kind of get quiet, you'll feel better. And then this verse we just read, 17, 28, says you'll look intelligent. Now, how many of us would like to sin less, feel better, and look smarter? Would you raise your hand? Huh? Me? Hello? Then learn to say less and listen more. Be loving with your words by not using so many. I bet we've all struggled, you have, I have, I know, with, with, you know, saying the right thing to a friend who's just suffered the loss of a loved one. And you thought, I just don't know what to say. I come in contact frequently with people at the worst times of their lives. And, and what I've learned is that most of the time, I don't need to say anything. I just need to be there. Because I've discovered if I try to force it, i got to say something. If I try to force it, oftentimes I'll end up saying the wrong thing. Sometimes it's best just to say nothing and be there and listen. Now, there are people here in this room, and you know who we are, and I say we because I'm one of them. There are people here in this room who are you. We're just very verbal people. We talk a lot. And, and you may have this natural personality thing that makes you struggle with the amount of words you use. It was funny this morning, one of the, didn't know what I was, I was be talking about this this morning, one of our ladies came in and she said, and I won't reveal any names, but she said, um, so-and-so picked me up and gave me, a ride to, gave me a ride to church this morning. And both of these ladies 
are known as talkers. You know, not a they, they just use, a, they talk a lot. And, um, and she said, can you imagine, and she, she was joking, she says, you know what that ride was like? And she went like this. <laughs> Some of us are like that. You just struggle with the amount of words you use. You have the gift of gab. And if you do, you probably know it. So here's an area of your life you can give to the Lord and ask his Holy Spirit, would you please, Lord, help me learn to zip it. Help me learn just to stay quiet sometimes and not think that I've got to talk and not think that I've got to speak. And he will. You do that by, that's another way you love people with your words. So you love people by being honest with them. You love people by being careful with them. And here's a third way that we love people with our words. You love people with building words. Building, as as opposed to tearing down. And even criticism, it's not always bad. Criticism can be constructive. Building up, not tearing down. When someone does something that irritates you, ask God to help you say the honest, caring thing in a way that builds that person up. But we have to stop and think if we're going to do that. Is what I'm going to say, is that going to build this person up? Is, is it going to tear them down? Is it, going to, is it going to help them? Is it going to hurt them? Am I going to say it in a loving way or am I going to say it in a way aimed at hurting and destroying them, beating them down, making them feel little? Is this what this person really needs from me right now to hear this or is this just what I feel like giving right now? The biggest thing that that we have to do in this area is to learn how to think before we speak. Now, you've heard the expressions, put put your mind in gear before you put your mouth in motion. Loose lips sink ships. The Bible says in Ephesians 4, 29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. So I need to ask myself, if I'm going to love people with my words, if my words are going to build you up and not tear you down, I need to ask myself, are my words doing that? Are my words going to help meet that person's needs? Because words, you know, we used to say we taught our children, our children, we always said when we were little, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me. Baloney, words do hurt, don't they? And they tear down. Are my words building people up? Can, words can build up or words can tear down, whether it's building up a marriage, building up a relationship, building up a child's esteem, building up a coworker that you need to share Christ with. Use your words to build up and encourage. Love people with our words. Here's your homework assignment this week. This week, and I want you to check all these boxes because I want you to say, God, with your help, these are the kind of words I'm going to say this week. This week I will choose kind words, words that will transform worry to joy. Proverbs 12, 25 says, Worry can rob you of happiness, but kind words will cheer you up. Somebody in your life this week is going to need some cheering up. God, I want to love that person with kind words that will do that. With gentle words that will break through anger, Proverbs 15.1, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. You may be in a situation this week when somebody loses their temper and the best thing you can do is 
Calm them down with some gentle words. God, I'll do that this week. Would you check that one? I want to do that. That's my homework assignment. Pleasant words that encourage learning. Proverbs, 12, Proverbs 16, 21 says, pleasant words promote instruction. Especially parents with your children as you teach them and you try to guide them. Honest words that make us feel loved. An honest answer, Proverbs 24, 26. An honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. God, uh, help me to let people know that I love them by being honest with them, by not lying to them. By not just saying what is the nice thing, but maybe what is the necessary thing. And then this week, your homework assignment is to use wise words that heal broken hearts. Proverbs twelve eighteen, thoughtless words can wound as deeply as any sword, but wisely spoken words can heal, can heal. Would you pray with me? Father, it's, it's, I think it's easier, at least in my mind, it's easier to love people with my actions, to do things for people, to give somebody a ride or to help somebody with a problem, to do something for somebody. That, that's, and that's a necessary thing, but uh, Father, loving with my words, that really takes some self-discipline, that takes some control from you, that I've got to give to you and, and not so easy. So, Lord, this week, would you help us to love people with honest, loving words? Would you help us to be careful with our words and show people our love by thinking before we speak, by building people up, not tearing them down? Help us to realize that our words are like that rudder, that our words can be like a forest fire, that our 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 mouths are to be a spring of goodness, not poison. Help us to realize too, Father, that we can love you with our words as we pray to you and we speak to you and we sing to you. So may the words of our mouths that come from the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your eyes, in your ears. Oh God, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. This has been a presentation of Nags Head Church, reaching people to discover life in Christ. Visit us on the internet at nagsheadchurch.org.